This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Rick Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality, and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Dr. Vic, and you are listening to The Mindful Experiment. I am so excited to have you here as we go ahead every week and interview someone who is really changing the course, helping enhance humanity, working on mindset, mind, mindfulness, um, really shifting gears in some way that affects their life to help them be a better version than who they were yesterday. My guest for today, his name is Tom King. Tom is an awesome guy. We connected so much uh, when it came to the interview, before the interview, during the interview, after the interview. There will definitely be a part two, maybe even a part three, just because we connected so much. Tom's a, he's a part CEO. He's a part personal 
develop uh, wonk and part biohacker info geek. He is the self-confessed serial entrepreneur. While his favorite book list contains many success-oriented and personal development classics, the traditional definition of achieving success, uh, making a lot of money and all that, is not what inspires or motivates King. He follows more of a you aren't doing well unless you're also doing some good line of thinking. King's company has been built around the simple principle of do the right thing. Uh, Tom is, uh, he's been in the personal, pa- he's a personal passion for food and his concern over the explosion of metabolic disease that led him to found the Stevia brands, now known as Icon Foods, with a mission to stir the tide of this diabetes by providing consumers healthy alternatives to sugar. Um, he has also in recent years, his passion for food and his optimal health have intersected with his embrace of a ketogenic, low-carb, high-fat diet. Tom's latest project is a line of ketogenic condiments intended to help more people successfully adopt a healthier lifestyle. I will be posting, as Tom, Tom shared with me, some of his condiments that he had, and I'll be sharing my opinions and my reviews on those uh, as we dive in. I was so excited to find barbecue, barbecue sauce with no sugar and MCT oil put in there. I was like, sign me up. So we'll be definitely uh, showcasing and sharing as we use them. But Tom, we had a great time talking in depth about so many different things, about diabetes, uh, the role of mindfulness, and so much more. So I just don't want to take any more thunder away from this guy. So I'm just excited to share him with you. Everyone, this is Tom King. Well, Tom, welcome to the show. Dr. Vic, thank you so much. Uh, I loved our conversation before the before the show. You taught me so much, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm really honored to uh, that you hosted me on your podcast. Uh, I'm a blast to have you on. I saw, you know, guy gone keto. I've been in keto for 12 years. I'm, I'm just like, oh, I can't wait to pick your brain and see how you got into it. You know, all that fun stuff. So we're, we're going to dive deep here. Nice. I'm ready for it. So before we begin, I'd love for you just to share with the listeners and everybody, like, what is it you do? Um, well, okay. So my main job is I'm the CEO of, uh, of a food company called Icon Foods. And we, we are a, a fairly substantial, uh, ingredient supplier. We supply, uh, sweeteners to, uh, food, to, uh, companies that manufacture, uh, sports nutrition, uh, drinks and bars. And so that's, that's kind of, uh, you know, our primary focus. And then the Guy Gone Keto line of condiments in the book, that's kind of my side hustle because, you know, I'm passionate about it. I love it. Um, how passionate are you about your, with food? When did it all begin? What like inspired you to get into food? Um, well, I grew up on a, on a farm, like a ranch actually. And I've always been pretty close to nature. So I've been fascinated with food um, on and off since I was a kid, I would say that I've become more fascinated with it as I've, you know, as I've gained knowledge about how, you know, how the food affects the body and mind. Um, but I would say for the past good 15, 20 years, I've been super fascinated with food. And in the past, uh, four years, um, very dedicated to, uh, a ketogenic lifestyle. I love it. So you grew up on a farm. This is a, a different passion of mine. I'm at, one of my goals is to live, have a farm and live on it. Um, nice. I literally just got chickens like three and a half weeks ago. <laughs> um, I've been loving them since. They're so tranquil and so peaceful. And I, 
my wife looks at me sometimes. She's like, I don't get it. You, uh, you, you're treating the chickens better than you treat the dog. And I'm just like, Hey, I give to them. They actually give me something tangible back. I'm like, I love the intangibles he gives me, but, uh, this is kind of cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So the big question is, do you have a rooster? No, we do not. We can't have it where we live. Yeah, that's good because the eggs turn out differently. <laughs> a rooster and we, we had chickens growing up. We had a chicken, we had chickens, but then in our old location, you know, for our business, we had, we had chickens there and the guy I got the chickens from convinced me to take this rooster from him. So occasionally we'd crack open a, an egg and there'd be a surprise for us. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, you know, but I don't know. My wife's like, I don't know if we'll ever want a rooster cause they're very uh, feisty. Um, and they, they protect the girls and everything, which I get that. But, um, yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't mind the four o'clock, five, whatever it is, five o'clock in the morning, uh, uh, noises they make. I'd be, I appreciate that because <laughs> I'm up. I, I think the, the, the side benefit of getting higher protein eggs is probably <laughs> what you want to avoid having a roost. So having your passion in the food, I'm always curious to know about people. How did you get into keto? What, what moved you that way? What was the journey to go that route? Well, I've, I've always battled with my weight and you know, I, I, discovered keto but back in the day and i'd say maybe 15 or 20 years ago but it was referred to as atkins and i didn't feel like atkins was really you know really keto as much as it was just low carb high protein mm-hmm. um which isn't really keto so i mean i dabbled with sort of a pseudo ketogenic um diet whenever i would start to feel fat so um and that's and that's sort of the product of of dieting because you know I think that it's I, I think it's a better better approach to actually lean into um, a lifestyle change rather than a diet because what was happening is I'd get a little fat and I'd go on a keto diet and I would lose the weight and then a few months later I'd gain that weight back plus some. Um, gotcha. So I was, I refer to it as the yo-yo diet and, you know, I just, I think about four years ago, I hit a threshold. I was in, uh, I was in Las Vegas for a trade show and one of my uh, customers took me out to, to dinner and yeah, I just way overdid it. I had a steak and potato and cake and we shared a bottle of wine and I got back up to the room and looked in the mirror and I'm like, what's going on here? You know, I, I have a business that caters to, you know, to sports nutrition and, and companies that produce ketogenic products. And I was anything but healthy, you know, I was carrying, you know, 35 pounds of extra weight, my blood pressure was 199 over 90. And then oh, wow. I was on blood pressure meds, I had terrible heartburn. And I think that the the pain of of all of those things had exceeded the pleasure that I was getting from pizza and pie and donuts and um, you know and at that point I I just started writing it down I started writing down what I was eating I started data collection about my you know about my weight my blood pressure my resting heart rate you know all of these things I started writing down and lo and behold a year later I actually had a book. So, um, that's how this all sort of organically took place. 
and I'll definitely get back to the book here in just a second. But I, I'm curious to know because there's so much out there about keto and the ketogenic diet. Um, so many things people experience. Can you just share with us when you started to go the keto route? Did you experience what, what did you notice? Like, did you get like the, the 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 famous keto flu or the keto breath? What did you? What was your journey? Because I know people start keto and it's never sometimes fun for them. And uh, right. but curious to know what, what what was your experience through it all? Um, I didn't have a problem. I didn't have a problem becoming fat adapted. Like I never experienced the keto flu. I've known people that have, and I, it's been my experience that if you hydrate and make sure that your electrolytes are you know are are adequate, that you can kind of avoid that keto flu. And I think also keto breath. I still run into people that get that and I, I don't think I get it, but you never know. Like, you know, <laughs> are, are people going to tell you, Hey, your breath smells like crap. Um, if they're good friends, they probably will or family, yeah. but you know, I don't, I haven't had any complaints and it doesn't seem like I have it, but I've definitely run into people that practice, you know, nutritional ketosis and uh, I, yeah, their breath gets pretty funky I think it's just because they're not drink, they're not hydrating enough and their electrolytes are down. Yeah. What do you, so I mean, you brought up Atkins real quick. I love to just bring that back. So what is the difference from, from your perspective of Atkins versus keto? How are they different? Um, protein. So I, you know, the Atkins diet, the Atkins diet was a, a low carb, moderate fat, um, and high protein diet. And so a high protein diet can put you into, into keto. Um, I, I've noticed a lot of people that I interact with are now practicing what's called keto carnivore, um, which I thought at first was kind of interesting, but the more mm -hmm. I drilled into it, I, it just scares me. Like, I don't think, you know, eating a ribeye you know, two ribeyes a day and slathering, slathering them with butter is, I don't think that that's, that's smart. Um, so I, yeah, I would say the biggest difference between, between the Atkins and keto is the levels of protein, because if you have too much protein on, on a ketogenic diet, um, you know, that protein is going to get stored in your muscles as glycogen and you're never going to successfully get into deep ketosis. Very true. Very, very true. Um, what are some of the myths that you experience, you've, you've, you've heard about when it comes to the ketogenic diet? Because I know you were mentioning the whole keto carnivore, and that, that sounds like some of it. But um, do you mind sharing some myths that you have come across and heard about? <laughs> well, most of them are attacks, uh, I think, from people that are vegans. Um, I was getting an, an IV uh, vitamin push about two months ago, and a woman peeked behind the curtain. She said, hey, you're that keto guy. And I'm like, okay, guilty as charged. And then she, she's like, I don't know how you can live with yourself because all you do is eat bacon and, and cheese and, you know, and you're just killing these poor animals. And I'm like, well, wait, wait a second. I think that you, you might, you, you might, may, might be misunderstanding you know, keto, because I eat a lot of vegetables, like I don't eat potato, potatoes and, you know, vegetables that are high glycemic, but I eat a lot of leafy greens and celery and uh, lettuce, cauliflower, broccoli, you know, all of the cruciferous vegetables. So yeah. that makes up a big, uh, you know, a pretty big 
part of my diet. So I would, I would say that for the biggest misunderstanding that people have about a keto diet is that, you know, that all you're doing is eating, you know, eating bacon and cheese, but that is, that is completely and totally inaccurate. So I do, you know, I keep my carbs, you know, under say, uh, 10% of my, of my total macros. Um, but I mean, you can eat a lot of lettuce and a lot of kale and a lot of broccoli and still, and still keep yourself in keto. It's so true. I remember, um, uh, a little bit ago, maybe six months ago, I was running like a little keto program in my office and just for patients. And it was funny because they were like, I was showing my ratios and like, how are you consuming 70, 75% fat? How is this happening? <laughs> right. So a vegan would appreciate this because mm-hmm. I tell them I snack on nuts. Yeah. That's my snack. Macadamia nuts. You get a quarter cup of that. That's like 20 something grams of fat. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I would have to say that that is that's a big part of my mainstay as well. Like, I eat a ton of nuts, uh, macadamia nuts, and Brazil nuts, and uh, and almonds, and I do eat a lot of avocados as well. And you know, and I supplement with some MCT oil. Beautiful. Yeah, and I think that's the misconception too with people when it comes to a keto diet. They think it's just that, and and then you have to, or you got to have a lot of butter, or you got to be doing a lot of oils. And I'm like those are all part of it, but you, there's, there's a whole other side when you just break it down with nuts and seeds alone, that, that alone can take care of everything. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I also get people asking me, you know, is like vegan keto possible? And I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> by all means. Like, I'm waiting for that title, by the way. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I've been having a lot of people push me on that too. And it's like, yeah, why don't you try going vegan? And, you know, and I, I'm considering it for the next book and, you know, just writing a book on, you know, on vegan keto, um, because I think that it's pretty easy to do. Like I, you know, I, I sometimes try to refrain from eating a lot of, uh, of meat and dairy. And in those, in those incidences, you know, it's, it's mashed, you know, mashed up nuts and avocado. And I mean, there's a, you know, coconut oil, there's a, so many things that you can eat that, you know, that are plant-based that will keep, put you in some pretty deep, deep ketosis. I think that's the next movement just because, you know, then it stops the whole war on vegan versus paleo or keto. Uh, and it'll just be like, okay, here you go. Here's a keto vegan process. I think you're the guy to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I do like a good ribeye though. So it'll be, it'll be sort of a temporary thing, probably 90 to hundred days and just, you know, tracking my, you know, my ketone levels and, you know, and, and I guess talking about it. Yeah, because I mean, the whole process of writing your book, I know you mentioned a little bit about this, was your, your book you wrote, uh, Guy Gone Keto. It was just a journal thing, right? Was that basically the process or was there other things put into it also? Um, I put some recipes in it, but by and large, it's it's just the process that it took um, because it does require a certain level of discipline. And, you know, these things, I, I, and I think it's, this isn't just with keto. I think it's any, any time that you want to make a change or a shift in your life, um, you know, it requires discipline. Like you can't, you can't do it without discipline. Um, and I would have to say that, that the biggest, I would say the focal point of the book is where to find that discipline, how to leverage that discipline, you know, into taking action, um, and yeah, so I would say that rather than it just being sort of a diet book, it was a conversation that I had with myself. Like, 
you know, how am I going to leverage this pain, you know, the pain of being fat and unhealthy? How am I going to leverage that into being motivated to, you know, to not eat pizza and bread and, you know, and French fries? I love that. And when you, with that mind shift, what, anything help you in that process to make that kind of a shift? Because I know with the body, there's a lot of carb addiction, sugar addiction, hormones aren't regulated unless, you know, if you're fat, if you're fast at fat adapting, then it changes that ball game. But is it, um, did you do any like practices to help you with being disciplined? Because I know there's people out there. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, I mean, one of the, you know, one of the things that really, really helped me with discipline was, was creating a schedule for myself and creating what I call my hour of power. So when I get up in the morning, one of the first things that I do is I just start writing. So I'll, I journal every single day and I just never, ever miss out on it, you know, and I usually start my journal by, you know, asking myself questions like, how do I feel? And, you know, did I practice restraint? And that means restraint of, of maybe overindulging in, in foods that aren't very good for me, or maybe even restraint of, you know, ego, egocentric things. So, I mean, it's just a sort of that daily reflection and then creating sort of, uh, outcomes that I want to create and manifest and then finishing it up with affirmations of why, you know, why these things are important to me. And, you know, and so journaling was, was a big step. So I do that first thing in the morning, followed by about a three and a half mile run and then a workout. And then the one thing that really, really helps is yoga and meditation. So I think practicing both yoga and meditation um, allows you to bring mindfulness um, into your into your life, and I think part of the whole discipline of of eating uh, eating better is being mindful of what you put in your mouth. So true in so many ways. I uh, I've linked up with someone in in my town that I work in, and we did a whole thing on mindfulness eating, and it's. Mm-hmm. Slow, you know, one thing about mindfulness is I know you can relate is so slowing down and appreciating what you have. But you brought up another point about <clears throat> being mindful of what you're eating, where does it come from, the source, the sustainable, you know, all that stuff too. Yeah. Um, it's a big game changer. It is. And, you know, and, you know, I do get a, a hard time from a lot of people that practice, practice veganism, you know, and I'm a huge proponent of, of eating less meat. And I think that if people, you know, if consumers were more involved, uh, you know, in in how proteins are harvested, you know, like beef and chicken and pork, like really, what is that process? And I mean, this might sound extreme, but I'm also a big proponent of hunting. Um, if you actually have to hunt for your meal or you're actively involved in that and, you know, and intimate with harvesting that animal, it gives you a way, way deeper appreciation. Like if I'm going to eat meat, you know, if there's bones, I save the bones and make the broth. So I think that any time that you're not mindful and you're not using every single part of that animal, um, that it's disrespectful. I couldn't agree with you more. And that's, I mean, like I said, I just got chickens a few weeks ago and it's, it's had built the, I don't know, like my wife's like, are we going to, you know, cause we have a couple that are lay egging and meat 
And I'm like, I don't know if I'll be able to kill it. I'm just not, yeah, I'd rather just, you know, just let it live a wonderful life. Appreciate what it came. She's like, so it's a pet. I'm like, yeah, it's a pet. I'll take that. <laughs> um, but I agree with you. I mean, back in the day, they, man used to be, humans in general had such a great bond with their animals. They took care of them. They raised them right. And they gave them a somewhat of a life. And then, you know, they, they, then that time came and, uh, for the animal, but the, the, people sometimes try to, fortunately with humans, we like to humanize everybody, <laughs> everything. I mean, we do it with our dogs. We do it with, and, um, I, I've heard that people sometimes say, but in the animal world, it's a whole different world on how they see things versus how we do. Yeah, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. I grew up on a ranch, so, you know, I've had a connection with animals, you know, ever since I was a child, like we had cattle and horses and geese and, and, uh, and chickens. So, I mean, and I've actually been there, you know, when my father harvested some of those, uh, some of those animals and it, it, it really, it, it, you look at things from a completely dis- different perspective, like, you know, and I think that maybe you don't lean into animals being sentient like human beings um, as much if you grow up on a ranch because, you know, I, I know that there's vegans that, you know, insist that, you know, fish have some sort of soul. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true or not, but I mean, I, I'm, you don't see too many fish reading the New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> At least we don't know, right? <laughs> it's true. They make it a version that we don't understand. I love it. Um, I saw also that you you are a part biohacker info geek. I would love to dive into that because I'm a geek myself in biohacking and uh, I just love to geek out sometimes with people. So um, biohacking, what do you do with it? Like, because I know keto, there's a lot of biohacks with the brain and stuff, but what do you do in the biohacking aspect? Um, I used to, I used to do some hacking with, uh, you know, with introducing exogenous ketones. Um, but what I found with, with, I I just don't think that there's any sort of shortcuts. So I think that if you're taking, you know, like things like beta hydroxybutyrate, um, you know, in, in salts or esters that you're, you run the risk of your liver saying, Hey, you know what? I don't need to do this anymore. Um, so I found that, you know, taking those shortcuts is not, is not as productive. So, um, you know, and also taking a variety of different, you know, herbal supplements, uh, you know, in a form of like nootropics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that runs into a situation of like robbing Peter to pay Paul. Um, and I'm not sure if the outcome of that is ever really great. I would have to say that my, latest and greatest and probably the most fascinating hacks have to do with the microbiome. Um, you know, like introducing a variety of different types of, of bacteriophage as well as bacteria, um, you know, and then feeding them with soluble and non-soluble fibers and then having my stool, you know, sample sent in to see, you know, to see what the, what my, you know, the diversity is of my microbiome. So I would say that that's probably where where I'm mostly focused on on my biohacking right now and what I find to be most fascinating. Yeah, I think that's a an untapped world that's uh, very exciting in the science world of what's coming out to be. Um, have you noticed like certain foods or certain things like even with keto um, have has helped you in some ways in the microbiome at all? 
Yeah, I, I, I do. I think that going keto, I think going keto did, did absolutely make a shift in my microbiome. I mean, and I kind of have the sort of documentation to, to show it, you know, because I have my, I have my microbiome actually tested, um, once a month to once every other month. So I can see what, you know, which colonies of bacteria are actually growing and which are smaller. And then, you know, also what, sort of, I guess, pathogenic or unfriendly bacteria, um, you know, are going on in there. And I think mostly, I would say that I can really recognize a shift when I'm not eating enough fiber or vegetables and I'm eating too much protein. I can see my, my, the diversity of my microbiome kind of drop some. So I would say that that's, yeah, definitely diet's got a huge impact on that and not eating enough fiber has a major impact. No, massively. I'm, I'm uh, actually it's funny. We're talking about microbiome and um, mm-hmm. I'm prepping for a talk this week on it. And uh, it's one of the things that I kept seeing come up about fiber and a lot of research. And I'm just like, interesting. Um, and the different roles of what it plays and how it helps with the, the microbiome and the gut and so forth. Yeah. And I take a combination of, of both soluble and non-soluble fibers. So like I'll mix it up and have um, like psyllium and inulin and then in that, I drop in some some bentonite and some berberine. Nice. Uh, and it's like, it's a little tonic that I have. And then I'll take some probiotics with it. Because um, I feel like if you've got those fibers going on, that you're, the likelihood of, those, of that bacteria actually making it through your stomach um, and into your gut, I think that it really increases the, you know, the chances of that happening. Massively. Yeah, no, totally. It plays a... Uh... Yeah, the more you can like give it its in its nutrients of what it needs when you take with probiotics, the better it, it will adhere to the 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 yes the GI lining. Yeah, absolutely. And you know the and and as far as my geeking out on stuff, so I love to read medical journals. Um, <laughs> just nice for entertainment. And <laughs> I also like to sneak into you know like um, like workshops and and conferences. So I'd say a couple months ago. I uh, I attended uh, I attended a conference that was uh, that was all uh, focused on um, on fecal transplants. Oh yeah, and that is something that that I mean I find super fascinating. Like they were talking about um, you know the efficacy of uh, you know of treating C diff with uh, uh, with a fecal transplant like was close to ninety percent, which is yep. which is crazy because antibiotics won't touch that. So I just, yeah, I, I, things going on in the bacteria world, I mean, completely and, and totally amaze me. It's so funny. So I'll help you geek out a little bit. They're, uh, they're doing, so there's a lot of studies on that. And what they're doing now is they found out they're trying to figure out, I forget what it is. It's an RNA. I can't remember if it's single RNA or some RNA, um, that exists in the, basically the, the fecal mm-hmm. and, and, and what they're trying to figure out is what binds it. Why is it there? Mm-hmm. And they're trying to kind of shift gears from taking someone's poop, put it in yours, in yourself or vice versa. Yeah. And they're looking at how can they just figure out the genetic sequencings of all that and then be able to grow that and be able to just put that in instead. And you yeah. don't have to deal with all the other stuff that comes with it. Like the poop. <laughs> yeah, like the poop. You can kind of avoid that part. Some people listening right now, you're probably like, what are these guys talking about? <laughs> I, know. I know. So when I was at that conference, 
the so the doctor who was speaking there said you know asked questions and she said what do you think is more effective um you know having having a fecal transplant done rectally or orally and i'm like whoa uh rectally and she's like false she's like orally is just as effective and i'm like how how does this happen and so she explained that what they do is they spin it down they they take the fecal matter put it in a blender and then you put it in a centrifuge and spin it down until it's concentrated. They put it into capsules and then they freeze it. Hmm. Um, and so the one thing that she brought up that that was just this mind blowing, you know, moment for me is she said that they sterilized it. Um, in some cases, they'll sterilize it, but it still is as, as effective as before it was sterilized, which which really brings up the 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 question of okay so is it the metabolite that's actually treating you know the c diff or what what is it i mean and then you realize we don't even know what we don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's kind of interesting you sterilize it and it still gets the same effects that that baffles me too yeah, like what is that? I mean, is it because okay, so they killed the bacteria, but there's still viruses in there. So is there a bacteriophage that's actually, uh, you know, treating the C diff, or is it the metabolite from the from the bacteria? It raises all these questions, and it makes me just want to quit my job and, <laughs> and pursue this because I'm like, I have to know. Like, I just need to know this. So yeah. <laughs> I know your feelings on that very much. Real quick for the listener, for the listeners, can you just tell them what a bacteriophage is so they know? So a bacteriophage, so bacteriophage is a is actually a virus. So they're called bacteriophage, but they're actually a virus. And I like to refer to them as as the dexters of of viruses. So <laughs> they're actually viruses that prey on other viruses. So if you Google it, it's really cool to see what a bacteriophage looks like because it looks like a little spaceship. And so this little spaceship called a bacteriophage will attach itself, you know, to to cells, and then it drives a probe into the cell and deposits an enzyme that puts the that puts that cell into autophagy, meaning it just sort of implodes on itself. And when you see this and you understand that there's there's literally trillions of these in your body, it, it's like you you have this you have this colony or this village that lives inside of you that it, I mean, that is doing some really, really remarkable, amazing stuff. So that's, that's my version of a bacteriophage. Yeah. You said it adequately, uh, very elegantly and it's, uh, they're pretty cool. They, they kind of keep things in balance and they kill things off that uh, don't belong in us, which is really, really cool. Well, I hope at some point in time, that science finds a way to be able to, you know, work with these bacteriophage to ultimately replace uh, antibiotics, which, in my opinion, end up making us sicker than they do actually making us better. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. I mean, antibiotics are so detrimental to our health in so many different ways. Um, and I see this first first forefront with kids. And when I, every time I See a kid on antibiotics, I'm always like, ah, healthy, developing gut, helping develop the nervous system. It all works together. And then, and then we have to try to replenish that. So here's a question. I mean, if you don't mind me asking, Go how do it. you replenish that? Replenish the gut? Yeah. So prebiotics, probiotics blend, uh, I always recommend. Um, and then, you know, look at what are things that are also 
will kind of decrease the the good bacteria, you know, processed sugar, refined carbs, those types of things. Mm-hmm. And then how do we get more fermented food within us? Mm, yes. Um, I'm a I big fan that. of fermented foods. Yep. Um, same here. Do you have a favorite? Um, well, it, it, it varies. So like, I, I usually like to make a 12 strain sort of a kefir, if you will. So like nice. a 12 strain, uh, probiotic drink that I make with inulin. So I have like a, a inulin in water substrate and add the, you know, and add those, the probiotic bacteria to it. And then I put it into a pot with a sous vide, um, you know, and then just let it set there at a hundred degrees for a hundred hours and it's actually, you know, pretty delicious. It tastes, it tastes very similar to yogurt. Um, that's one thing that I do, but I would have to say that I am the self-proclaimed master of kimchi around here. Oh, really? <laughs> you have a yeah. recipe for it in your book? I don't. I don't. Oh. I didn't include, I, <laughs> but I could certainly post it. And I always mix it up too. Like I never want it to be exactly the same. So you know, sometimes I'll add, you know, more garlic to it, sometimes more Napa cabbage, but I, I, yeah, I do, I kimchi every single day and, um, yeah, I push it on other people, whether they like it or not. Kimchi is one thing out. I mean, I, I have patients that make sauerkraut. I don't mind the sauerkraut. It's okay. I mean, they make it sometimes where it's not too sour, uh, for the sauerkraut, but, um, the kimchi, it's a win for me every time. I have no problem eating kimchi. Yeah, well, and you can mix it with other things. So, you know, like I'll mix it in with salads or, you know, I, one thing, you know, like if if I'm eating dairy, like I like to mix it with cream cheese, um, you know, and add some fat to it. So there's, I mean, there's a ton of things that you can do with it. You can, you you can eat it straight, but you could also use it as almost like a spice or, or something. I can see a whole nother podcast episode talking all about this and more. (laughs) (laughs) I'll make a note of that. (laughs) That's the danger. That's the danger of interviewing me. (laughs) I love it. No, you're right. You're you're, you're speaking my passion here. So I love it. Nice. Um, Going back, you know, keto diet and everything, Mm -hmm. you know, diabetes has tripled. I think it's no more than that now. Um, Since 1992, when they pushed the low fat diet movement Mm -hmm. um, and all that stuff, how can keto help with metabolic issues that we're seeing in today's world, but also the diabetic, diabetic issues, or as you have coined here, I see as diabetes. Diabetes. Yeah, that is definitely an epidemic. And what's you know, what's really sad about it is, is type two diabetes is something you give yourself. I mean, it's a lifestyle disease from eating way, way too much sugar. Um, you know, and eating too much sugar leads to insulin resistance and insulin resistance leads to diabetes. So, you know, if you're eating massive amounts of, of sugar and, and, uh, you know, and high glycemic carbohydrates, you're you're going down a slippery slope because eventually that will catch up with you. And um, I mean, I don't think I need to go into the you know the health effects of of uh, you know of type two diabetes. You know, you can blindness, losing limbs, and ultimately death. But I think the 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 bigger sort of the bigger factor is that you know this is a pandemic and. You know, we we already have a healthcare system that's not super great, 
And I mean, let's fast forward 10 to 20 years. Cause like when you look at the, you know, when you look at teenagers and, you know, and, and adolescents and the level of obesity, you know, that exists in that particular demographic 10 or 20 years from now, when, you know, we have everybody on metformin and, you know, and, and diabetes medication, um, are we really going to be able to afford that? And is it going to end up breaking our healthcare system? Yeah, you bring up some really strong points. I mean, you know, as, diabetes is the one condition that affects every single s- organ, cell, everything in the body. And it's even more expensive uh, as a cost per, on healthcare than even cancer, which is the number one, or even heart disease. I know they go back and forth, but um, it's the most costly uh, disease that's out there. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, and it's, it's sort of a chain reaction because like when you look at, when you look at the, I would say the average American diet, I mean, and how much, how much sugar is in it, it's crazy. And when you go to the store, I mean, when you go, go grocery shopping, I mean, the best way to avoid, you know, avoid the, the added sugars is to not buy anything, you know, processed by, you know, or in a can or in a bottle, you know, because, you know, food manufacturers use sugar because it's a subsidized crop. They use sugar to replace actual, you know, good quality ingredients because sugar is so cheap. So basically when you, you know, you pick up a can of anything that you're going to consume, you read the label, look how much sugar's in it. Look how much, you know, read the ingredient statement. If you see sugar and salt, that's probably primarily what's in that product. And if you get into the grocery store, stay out of the middle of the grocery store, you know, work the outside of the grocery store because that's where, you know, they have like the fresh meat and produce and, you know, those are the things that you want to consume. No, that's so true on, on, on so many levels. And since we're speaking about uh, a grocery store, how did you create Guy Gone Keto condiments? <laughs> I want to know all about it. We're talking about groceries. I'm thinking, you know, all this stuff. You're talking about kale and all these other things. Let's get into the condiments here. I, I wish I could say that that was that was just it was a it was an evil plot or some sort of a plot. But, <laughs> I mean, I, I have to confess, I made those for myself. So when I when I adopted the ketogenic lifestyle, I found that I was missing condiments because you know when you look at barbecue sauce, I mean barbecue sauce has more sugar than ice cream. It's crazy. And, I mean, ketchup. Ketchup has more like when you put ketchup on your French fries, that's like adding a Snickers bar to your you know, to your, to your French fries. And I mean, French fries are already high glycemic and now you're adding sugar to them. I mean, it's just, it's a deadly combination. So yeah, I would like to say that this was like, oh yeah, I really thought this out and planned, but really it was selfish. It was a hundred percent selfish. I didn't, I wasn't able to, to have teriyaki sauce or ketchup or barbecue sauce or any of the sauces that I liked. So I, I mean, we have a 3000 square foot lab here and I just went into the lab and, you know, I have a food science background and I just made the condiments for myself. And then every person who had them is like, hey, you should sell those. I'm like, hey, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I'm like, okay, well, I'll just have it come out at the same time as the book. And yeah, the condiments have been like seriously flying off the shelves. I love it. So tell me, how are they different or what's the, the uniqueness about them? Um, well, I, we pulled out, obviously we pulled out all the sugar because that's, what's going to knock you out of keto. And we replaced it with a sweetener that actually just three days ago got approved by the FDA, um, 
to be not listed as an added sugar. And that, and that sweetener is called allulose. Um, so we use allulose, which is a, a product of, of fermentation. So it exists in, in nature in small amounts. Uh, it's referred to as a rare sugar. Um, the way it's made is you take a, you know, liquid fructo- fructose and you add a bacteria to it and the metabolite, what's, you know, what's created from the bacteria is allulose. And it's about 70% of Swedish sugar, um, but doesn't, has no impact on blood sugar levels and actually will raise ketones, um, blood ketones. So these are, you know, that's the sweetener that we use. And then I was just very careful to use ingredients that, um, you know, that, that are clean and natural. So we don't have any weird stuff in these condiments. And then I would say that the, that one of the cool things is that we used MCT oil. So multi-chain triglyceride. So we used MCT oil to actually elevate the level of fat that's in these condiments. That's pretty cool. Um, I think that's pretty genius. I mean, allulose, I've heard a little bit about allulose before. Uh, so it's kind of cool how you're using that in your products alone and still give it that sweetness. Yeah, we have like we have a whole box of this stuff heading heading your way, so you'll be able to try it out. And uh, you know, I love to get your opinions. But allulose has been pretty amazing for me. Like it, it just recently, you know, was approved by the FDA. But I've been working with it for the past five years, and it's been really, really amazing. So it's still considered a saccharide, which is technically a sugar. Um, but it, it, but it allows it to participate in what's called the Maillard reaction. And mm-hmm. that's a reaction of, of proteins and sugar that causes caramelization. Um, so in baked, in, you know, if you're baking, um, allulose is just a, a really amazing sweetener and yeah, I'm, I'm all in on it. Cool. I can't wait. I'm excited. Nice. Now, is this also part of the whole keto sweet product or is, is it something different? Okay. It is. So the keto sweet, so the keto sweet line is our allulose line. And because keto, because allulose is only 70% is sweet as sugar, um, we use natural high intensity sweeteners to bring it up to parity with sugar. And so we use a combination of stevia and monk fruit extracts. And so I do get a lot of questions of like, Hey, how come, you know, how come you're using both stevia and monk fruit? And then also comments of like, Hey, doesn't, doesn't stevia taste weird? Um, but what we found is that when you when you have the combination of both stevia and monk fruit, that they they actually are able to um, mask each other's off notes. So it really wow. makes it you know it makes it a, a really great sweetener. That's pretty cool. I've heard before too. Sometimes with stevia, when you get that metallic taste, mm-hmm. sometimes it's more due to the processing and how they process it versus mm-hmm. it actually just you know being from the the, the plant itself. Yeah, hundred percent. So I mean, one of the one of the things the foundation you know of our of our sweetener company is using stevia, and I mean the companies that that we have contracted with to make our stevia for us i mean they use natural water extraction methods and then they use a thing called a resin column which it it is just a natural way to separate out the the off notes so um if you do have stevia and it's like hey this really tastes terrible um it it could be the processing and it also could just be the grade of stevia that was used interesting that's pretty good to know now 
how, with the sweeteners and everything, um, how do these diets benefit? I mean, obviously, you can have more sweets in the diet, but I'll, I'll let you dive into deep of how uh, individuals who can use these sweeteners, can. let's say they have a sweet tooth, they, mm-hmm. they want to be ketogenic or along those lines, and how can these sweeteners play be a game changer? Um, well, these sweeteners will not elevate blood sugar levels and they also won't knock you, knock you out of, uh, of keto. So that's like, that's, and if you, if you're a person who suffers from like hypoglycemia or if you, or if you're diabetic, um, they're not going to affect your insulin levels or your blood sugar levels for that matter. So all of the sweeteners that we work with are completely safe for people that suffer from diabetes. Um, or also suffer from hypoglycemia. I can see you doing a cookbook on sweets if you haven't already with your sweeteners and and how to utilize them and really maximize this. Because I can see that for myself. Because I mean, I don't get me wrong. I'm not. I don't have a sweet tooth or anything. I used to, um, but it's one of those things where I still like to enjoy a sweet from here and there. And I actually get like a high from. Oh, guess what? This is keto. This is this. I can st- I can have this. I'm staying within my range, and I, it doesn't mess up my ratios. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I and and you you know I I really appreciate you said used to have a sweet tooth yeah. <laughs> um, because I used to uh, I used to have a sweet tooth too. Like it used to be really bad. Like when when I was uh, when I was in college, my thing would be to actually have a Pepsi and pour a bag of M and M's in it because it wasn't quite sweet enough. Um, so I had terrible terrible. Um, you know, sugar addiction. And I have to tell you that, you know, being on a ketogenic diet or adopting this lifestyle um, over the past three years, my, my sweet tooth is, is really pretty much gone. Um, I find that if I have a strawberry or a handful of like berries or cherries, that that is plenty sweet for me. Um, so it is, it's, it's a cool shift from, you know, somebody who is completely and totally addicted to sugar. And I appreciate you bringing that last point up because sometimes people have a piece of fruit and they're kind of like, oh, this is not sweet enough for me. Oh. And I always tell them it's just because you're so conditioned to have such a high load of sh- sweetness in what you eat. I'm like if you can just step away for a little bit, let the you know nervous system, let the receptors change, let the body adapt. Yeah. Well, then all of a sudden you can go have a nice strawberry and be like, oh my god, that's absolutely amazing because that's the experience I get um, right now as I have. Hundred percent. Like if I have a strawberry, it's like oh my god, this is completely and totally amazing. And then uh, my neighbor actually has a house in uh, in Palm Desert, so he brings me grapefruit. Uh. So I'll have like half a grapefruit. And I'll just have it, just peel it, just like a, you know, just like an orange. And I know the people I work with are like, oh, my God, what are you doing with that grapefruit? You have to put some sugar on it. I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) This thing is totally delicious and sweet the way it is. Yeah, you reminded me when I was in high school, I used to have strawberries, getting back to the strawberries. They weren't sweet enough, so I would dip them in sugar just so I can get that extra sweetness. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? And, and, you know, and once you, you know, once you get your diet cleaned up, um, you just don't have those cravings anymore. And I can't help but think that maybe that has something to do with a, a shift in your microbiome. Oh, massively. I, I agree with you 100%. I'm telling you, we're going to have to do a whole nother podcast just on a microbiome. I'd love to. Um, real quick, one last question I have for you is, you know, you got the whole Guy Gone Keto project and it's all about giving back to the community. I just wanted to give you an opportunity just to talk a little bit about that. 
Um, well, I mean, we, I, I think I've probably given away more books than I've, you know, than I've, I've sold. Um, you know, I've gone to dozens of trade shows and I just bring the books. I bring the books to give away. So, I mean, the, the whole, the whole premise behind the book and behind the brand was, was contribution. I mean, to really give, you know, to make a positive impact, um, you know, and I, and I hope that it does. And, you know, part of the, the, you know, I guess charities or organizations that we support, um, are really, are really schools and getting the message, you know, to, you know, to, to schools and to students, you know, that, you know, be more involved in your food and, and look at the things that you're putting into your body. And, you know, for me, that uh, that's hugely rewarding when you see that shift happen. No, Master, I appreciate you doing that. I mean, the schools need the, all the help in the world. Um, it's, I think that's where kids get indoctrined to eat certain types of foods and then become uh, conditioned to them. Yep, completely. But um, before we wind up, I want to just ask, how can people get connected with you, your book, condiments, the whole nine yards? Um, you can go to guygonketo.com. You can direct message me on any of the socials at the at sign guygonketo.com. Um, I'm really good at answering all the direct messaging. I'm really good at, you know, uh, at answering the, the emails that come in off of the website. So if you are considering, you know, adopting a ketogenic lifestyle or, you know, are, are practicing keto now and running into, you know, things that you have questions on, like maybe, you know, metabolic flexibility, feel free to shoot me, you know, feel free to shoot me an email, uh, you know, visit the website. We've got some great posts there. We've got some amazing recipes. So yeah, just hit up uh com. Awesome. Tom, I appreciate you. You'll definitely be back. Uh, uh, I love uh, communi- conversating with uh, a, a biohacker geek and just your passion is the same as my passion. So we just feed off each other. Brothers from a different mother. I appreciate <laughs> it, Dr. Vic. Thank you for having me on your show. It was a pleasure. Uh, thanks again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For past shows, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is Dr. Vic 21. Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.